y'all. I'm Rob. And I'm Erica. And you're listening to Pumpkin Spice. And Nothing Nice Podcast. This is episode 9. The history of Halloween. Trigger warning. Topics discussed in this episode may not be suitable for all listeners. We are streaming on TikTok Live currently today for the people that are listening to this at a later date. We will be um, available on the link tree in my bio. We are available on YouTube, Spotify. Just look up Pumpkin Spice and Nothing Nice and you'll find us. We are a true, true crime, paranormal, food, food used in true crime. A little bit of everything. And today we're going to be talking about the history of Halloween, some of the fire festivals that happen around this time of year. And Erica, you look so cute. Hi, Chelsea. Hello. Hello. So just, just for the information, today is October 22nd. Um, so we will be releasing this next Sunday or Saturday for the masses that are not here. Marisol, hello. Yes. So it'll be published by the 29th to be ready for Halloween. Jeremy Renee Wassel. Hello, Ali. Hi. So if you guys are new here, my name is Rob. This is my channel. Um, I post videos and I go live every day at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is my friend, Erica. She is, um, we are co-hosts of the podcast. So today we're going to talk about the history of Halloween, um, as well as other fire festivals that take place around this time of year. We may have some special guests in the box that come up um, if they show up. If they don't, well, that's fine. Um, thank you for the heart, me. Um, yeah. So where do we want to start our conversation today, Erica? So do you want me to quickly go through mine and then you can take over and... Let's get into the real pure of the season. Sure, yeah, let's let's do that. Okay. And I'm I will start... I, and I will pay attention to any questions that come through, Boo. Okay. Connie, uh, hi. Hold on, let me make sure my stuff's not about to fall. All right. So I'm gonna start actually what I've got is I've got stuff that's happening like right now, but I also have other things that are just spooky celebrations or spooky pieces of, you know, daily life and all their other cultures. So to start with, Dia de los Muertos um, is celebrated roughly October 31st through November 6th uh, by many Mexican heritage households. It is a holiday of joyful celebration to remember the forebears of Mexican culture, including friends and family members that have passed away. Um, the traditions include honoring deceased using calaveras. Did I say that right? Calaveras. Calaveras and marigold flowers, um, building altars called ofrendas with spreads of their favorite food and drink, photos and memorabilia, and visiting the graves with those gifts. Um, gifts can also be given to living friends and family, including candy sugar skulls and mock epitaphs of irreverent verses. So they just like to, to give you a little death bio. Um, families and friends clean and decorate the graves. Toys are brought to deceased children's graves and alcohol is brought for deceased adults. Trinkets, candies, food and drink, candy sugar skulls are also left 
Uh, pillow and blankets are left out for the souls to rest on their journey. And then most noticeably in culture that you'll see are the beautiful skeletal masks or the face and body paints that are worn by the living during this time in their celebrations. Um, children may also knock on doors requesting, hold on, I gotta think about how to say it. Calab, I'm not gonna do it right. Calaveritas, say it, say it right. Calaveras? It says itas. Oh, that would be, uh, yeah, so ita at the end? Cala, calaverit. Cala right now. Calaverita. Yeah, it's the yeah. little they're the, the little ones, yeah. Little gifts of candies or money. Okay, now we're gonna also move on to me speaking um things that are not English in any way, shape, or form, but also not Spanish or anything that I'm good at. Okay, or but first before before you do that, I want to talk about the ofrenda for a minute. Do you are Let's you familiar it. with what an what a an ofrenda is? So my knowledge of Dia de los Muertos um, festivals goes to Coco and also local things. So right. I am aware in that sense. I'm very, okay. very surface information. So, so the word ofrenda comes from our, you know, leads to our word of offering, right? Una ofrenda. Yes. So it's an altar that they would set up and in people's houses and homes, it would have their ancestors on it, right? Mm -hmm. And so they would be paying homage to their specific ancestors. And a lot of times they would decorate different ofrendas like in the town center with prominent people that had passed away and they would be dressed up right. in their uniforms like police officers would be dressed as police officers, but they would be skeletons instead of the actual people. And the ofrenda would be a place where you could place your offerings for the ancestors and such. So. Um, I noticed too that there was a thing where uh, I believe you can like you could build ofrendas in libraries too to mm -hmm. public people. Yeah, and the word ofrenda isn't just for El Dia de los Muertos. The ofrendas are just altars in any kind of scope. So people that work with Santisma Muerte, for example, the uh, Holy Death, as it is in English, she would have ofrendas for her that are open all the time and that you would use all the time. So I just didn't want you know you to think that ofrendas were only a Dia de los no. Muertos idea, but they were an actual like altar that is used a lot. Right. And now we can continue. Thank you for entertaining okay. me. Uh, next one, um, I wonder if I should just spell it out as opposed to trying to say it. Because I'm not gonna say it right. It is. Okay. P-C-H-U-M-B-E-N. I think it's also called Ben Festival. But that is celebrated on the 15th day of the 10th Kermer month. Um, it occurred this year from October 13th to October 16th, and it is translated to Bald Rice Gathering. It's a religious festival where Cambodians pay respect to deceased relatives of up to seven generations. But what happens is that Buddhist monks will chant in P-A-L-I language, Pali language, uh, overnight continuously without sleeping in prelude to what they believe is the gates of hell opening hmm. and spirits being released. So to liberate the ghosts, food offerings are made to benefit them. Um, it also goes to benefiting uh, their, their ancestral spirits that might be in heaven or purgatory or wherever. 
Um, but some spirits are believed to return to hell for more suffering. So next we move to Tang Chi, T-E-N-G-C-H-I-E-H, is also known as the Lantern Festival. Um, it is a Chinese traditional festival celebrated on the 15th day of the first month in the lunar solar Chinese calendar during the full moon. That's a lot of things. Um, it marks the final day of the traditional Chinese New Year's celebrations. And it involves children going out at night carrying paper lanterns that they have solved riddles on. Um, the present day lanterns are now often in the shape of an animal. And they tend to symbolize people letting go of their past selves and getting new ones. So sort of like a rebirth. And this occurs every year. Um, they are usually read to symbol, uh, symbolize good fortune. The Obon Festival in Japan, Qingmin in China, Chuseok in North and South Korea, Radonista, Radonitsa in Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus, Thursday of the Dead, and the Festival of the Hungry Ghost in China are all sort of similar uh, festivals like that. So now I'm going to throw in some types of rituals or specific events um, or just interesting tidbits about places. Um, on the island of Sulawesi is a thing called the Manin Festival. Um, it's an Indonesian ritual done every three years where the locals remove their deceased loved ones from their resting place and put new clothes on them. So after being dressed, the bodies are then walked by the families back to their resting place or their homeland. Um, it is done to protect them and their living families from danger and evil. Hmm. Um, the Dani people of Papua, Indonesia, their female tribe members will cut off the top of their finger upon, upon attending the funeral of a family member or a child. And that is done as a way to gratify and drive away spirits. It's also a way to physically express the sorrow and suffering of grief. Wow. The Korowai tribe of New Guinea, Indonesia... Um, have a, the isolated tribes have a practice of what they do when they, uh, have someone pass away. It involves flesh eating. Mm. Now, this is not so much a thing in the tribes that have had a lot of, um, interactions with like outside groups of people. This is mainly now thought to just be the isolated uh, tribe, but they will consume the flesh as an act of mourning and respect done to guide the spirit to the afterlife. Similarly, um, the Yanomami tribe of the Amazon, after a cremation occurs, the tribal members use the burnt grime of the body to paint their faces. They will also then sing and cry to express their grief, grief, excuse me. And the bones are collected and crushed to powder that they mix with bananas for a banana soup that the tribe will eat. 
And this is so ingrained in their normal thought of life that it is thought to be the only way that the deceased will ever find eternal peace. Wow, that's really awesome. Uh, before you go on to the next one, I just want to yes. thank everybody for hanging out. Hi, everybody. My name is Rob. This is Erica, and we are recording Hi. an episode of our podcast. We are Pumpkin Spice and Nothing Nice, and we are currently talking about festivals that take place around Halloween. She is discussing the more isolated and somewhat indigenous and or primitive type cultures, and I will be discussing Halloween as we know it and its roots. Thank you so much for the follows. I appreciate you guys. If you guys want to tap the screen, that will help push this live stream out so that more people can experience it. If you have any questions, please drop them in the, in the chat. One of our mods will pin the comment so that we make sure to see it. Um, and with that, I really appreciate you guys. And I do go live every day at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So when we're done with this live stream, I will be back again tonight for my normal live, okay? Thank you all so much for hanging out. And if we don't respond to you, when you say something or when you send a gift, just know that we appreciate it. We're just um, speaking on a conversation. We don't want to interrupt each other. So thank you all so much for hanging out. And as you were, Miss Erica, thank you. Okay. Um, next, we're going to come up with an India tribe of people called the Agoris. And they are Varanasi, India. Um, it's a tribe of people that live close to cemetery grounds. So they live in such a way that they aim to break away from the cycle of rebirth. Um, they remind themselves constantly that death is the ultimate end. And in that, they live close to cemetery grounds and use human bodies for religious rituals. Then we wow. move on. We are going to move on to a aspect of passing. So in Ghana, uh, there are specialized carpenters in greater Accra region of Ghana, and they have developed these coffins that very high status people can be buried in, but they usually are reflective of a person's profession. They come in different shapes and animals, and they represent status and rank, but they are considered works of art. And they are put on display the day that the person will be buried with them. Fama Diana of Madagascar is a funerary tradition where people bring forth the bones of their ancestors from family crypts. They rewrap the bodies in fresh cloth, rewriting their names on the cloth so that they will always be remembered. And then they dance to live music while returning that body to the crypt in a celebration of the life that that person lived. And then we go on to my children's favorite, and I'm sure that a lot of people know, the jazz funerals of New Orleans. Yes. Oh my goodness. That, talk about a party. So with these funerals, it is an optional procession that, I think it's totally separate to just normal um, funerary things. But what occurs in that is that you have a parade of people dancing and it's a brass band that plays with drummers and dancers and everyone is celebrating and cutting loose. And it is a party on the street for whoever has passed away. And I think they are absolutely beautiful. 
who needs to fix their lashes? Because mine are real. I'm not wearing fake lashes. Sorry. What? Um, it's just someone who doesn't get enough attention at home. That's all it is. I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> he needs a hug. Mm-hmm. Then we move on to Pitru Paksha or Shraddha in Hindu faith. And it is a 16-day festival devoted to ancestor worship. Through priests or uh, Brahmins, people bring food and drink to their departed ancestors. Um, and the ancestors will come back to Earth to accept the gifts. Then Gai Jatra in Nepal is also known as Cow Festival, but it's not celebrating cow. Um, it is a festival celebrated to honor the immediate relatives who has passed away during the previous year. Um, various groups of children will dress up as cows and other religious drag and, and organized um, little events that occur during the cities. Now, the cow is such a faithful creature that it is believed that the cow will mm, be like a mode of transportation for souls to the afterlife. Um, the Boon Parawate in Thailand is the Thai version of honoring the dead. Mahala, Mahalaya Amavasaya in India is the very last day of the Shraddh rituals connected, uh, conducted for a period of 15 days. This day is very auspicious in Hinduism since the Shraddh of any deceased person in the family can be performed on this day, irrespective of the tithi. We move on to Dia dos Fenados in Brazil, also known as All Souls Day. And then there is an exciting festival in Las Nieves, N-I-E-V-E-S. Nieves? Nieves, Spain. Mm-hmm. It means snow. Called, oh, Fiesta de Santa Marta de Ribartime, and it is the festival of near-death experiences. Um, then we go on to the Tiwa in central Kalimantan, Indonesia, um, where for centuries the people of Dayak, N-G-A-J-U, I can't, I'm not going to try it have performed. Um, It's a secondary funeral ritual where the bones of the deceased are taken from the cemeteries, purified, and finally placed in an ossuary. Hmm. And then we go to Totten Sonntag in Germany, where it's also known as Sunday of the Dead or Eternity Sunday. And it is a Protestant religious holiday in Germany and Switzerland, commemorating the faithfully departed falls last Sunday of the liturgical year in the Protestant church in Germany and Protestant, Protestant say Kirk in the Netherlands that I didn't say that right at all, but then we come up to, um, fit get I don't know if I said that right, but it's Hades day of the dead. And it's typically celebrated during the first few days of November uh, replete with altars, veves. Are you proud of me? I am. Tell me that you're proud of me. I am so proud of you. Veves, ground drawings made to attract the gede, 
I think that's how it said. Um, I know Vevez, uh, Vevez is right. Uh, special food and drink offerings, and most importantly, sacred dances and polyrhythmic drumming occurs. Mm -hmm. And then we have a couple more that are not... Oh, hang on one second, Erica. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Miss Mary Ann asked that we give her a break. Okay. You have a break. Oh, never, never mind. She just got a break from our friend Liz who blocked her. Thank you. Okay, continue. Oh, sorry. Okay. So then there's a couple more that are not related to Halloween necessarily, but the Festa della Bafana in, it is in Italy um, is translated to the Epiphany Party. And it is mm -hmm. an Italian celebration associated with Christmas where children anticipate the gifts from La Bafana, an old woman that rides a broom through the air. Mm -hmm. La Bufana, yeah, she's uh, she's really popular in a lot of like other pagan um, practices mm -hmm. and you know the strega which are italian witches utilize her a lot as well and then finally what i have is day of dracula or world dracula day and that is celebrated with uh it's on may 26th and celebrated the day the Bram stoker novel dracula was published and people throw gothic horror parties or watch dracula movies on that day and these are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> and that is Bram Stoker was Bram Stoker was such a uh, he was just a mad Irishman, and he uh, his book, well, you know, the most popular one, Dracula, was amazing. If you haven't read the book but you've seen the movie, you are missing out on so much. That book is amazing. Um, thank you, Erica, for sharing all of that with us. That was that thank was you. a lot, and there was a lot of really cool. Um, celebrations that most people may not have ever heard of, you know, and I think that's really important for us as people to like kind of recognize that the way we do things isn't necessarily the only way to do things, nor is it arguably the right way to do things because the, just right. because we do it a certain way doesn't mean that that the way we do it makes sense to anybody else, right? And I think that's important to note. <clears throat> now, I'm going to speak on Halloween as we as people in the United States know it and have experienced it and are familiar with it, right? Many of us are familiar with the fact that um, Halloween is based off of a holiday called All Hallows' Eve, which is based off of a holiday called Samhain, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're gonna talk first about Samhain and what Samhain is, where it was celebrated, you know, for how long it's been celebrated. And then we're gonna get into the Christianization of it and then move our way into modern day celebrations so it's going to be kind of a long conversation and again i welcome any questions there are some rules because this is a live broadcast now we are not going to accept any kind of bigotry we don't do that and if you don't have anything to contribute to the conversation let's not comment it okay hello ramona singer how are you doing today so with that being said let's talk about Samhain. all right now Samhain is a gaelic word that um, is a pagan religious festival that's been dating back for over 2,000 years. It is a Celtic holiday, so it took place with the Celts. And if anybody remembers in history where the Celts were located, they were located in northern France, modern-day England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. Right, So that area of the world was known as, the people of that area were known as the Celts. 
Um, today it is celebrated normally between October 31st and November 1st. It's to welcome the end of the harvest and to usher in this idea of the dark part of the year. Um, the celebrants of this holiday believe that the barriers between our physical world and the spirit world break down and allowing more interaction between humans and the Denzians of the other world, right? That sounds like such a negative thing, but basically it just means that the belief is the, the, that the veil between our world and the ancestral realm is thin and people can move and commune with their ancestors. So the ancient Celts marked Samhain as the most significant of the four quarterly fire festivals. This would take place between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. So there wasn't a specific day of the month or the year that this would take place because over 2000 years ago, as we all know, the calendar that we use today was not in existence. So it may not have been October 31st. Exactly. That happened later. And we will talk about that, but the, this holiday is a cross quarter point, which means it's between two other holidays that mark time passages and harvest festivals of the year. So the fall equinox and then Samhain and then the winter solstice. So this is between, this would be like midwinter almost, right? So this is the time of the year where the weather would start to get cold and it would be marked by, you know, farmers bringing their livestock in for you know, protection from the snow, things were no longer growing, etc., etc., etc. Um, during the time of year, hearth fires and family homes were left to burn out while the harvest was gathered. After the harvest work was complete, celebrants joined with the Druid priest to light community fires using a wheel that would cause friction and spark flames. It was considered that this wheel was like representative of the sun and, and uh, used along with prayers um, would help ensure that the sun would come back, right? Cattle were sacrificed, um, and participants would take flame from the communal bonfire, and there is a Gaelic... Oh! Our druid has entered the building! Hello, Hi, uh, Darlock. Okay, so, so uh, they would bring the communal bonfire from the community and then light the hearth fires with it, right? There is a Gaelic word for that fire. I don't speak Gaelic, so I am not going to say it. Um... He loves a Samhain chat. I love that, Durlock. How are you doing today, friend? Um, and if you have anything you want to add, Durlock, you're more than welcome to join the box and have a communication with us. We completely Absolutely. welcome you, of course. Because this We've is kind of your, you. <laughs> this is kind of your <laughs> holiday, after all. So, um, early texts present Samhain as a mandatory celebration that lasted three days and three nights, where the community was required to show themselves to local kings or chieftains. Failure to participate was believed to result in punishment from the gods, usually with illness or unaliving. You're cold. It's a little chilly here on where I live in the small little piece of the world. It's been hot down um, here. There was also a military aspect of Samhain in Ireland um, with holiday thrones prepared for commanders of soldiers. Um, anyone who committed a crime or used their weapons during the celebration faced an unaliving sentence. Um, some documents mention six days of drinking alcohol to access, typically meat or beer, along with gluttonous feasts. Again, these That's are a good time. Of, of my favorite things. <laughs> uh, the Celts believed that the barrier between the worlds was breachable during Samhain, so they prepared offerings that were left outside villages and fields for the fairies, the, Sid, the Sidhas, the Shidae. I think that's how you say that, Shidae. Again, I don't speak Gaelic. And ancestors. 
It was expected that ancestors might cross during this time as well, and Celts would dress as animals and monsters so that the fairies were not tempted to kidnap them. Um, some specific monsters were associated within the mythology surrounding Samhain, including a puka, and if anybody is familiar with pronounced she. Thank you. She. <laughs> um, a puka, which um, we have a, a myth about puka in the United States as well. Um, I think puka shells, is that somehow related? Uh, pukas are typically, at least as far as my understanding, invisible spirit animal type ideas, right? The puka. Um, okay. It's a shape-shifting creature called a puka that receives harvest offerings from the field. Um, That's a really cute name, by the way. Puka? puka? Yeah. The Lady Gwen is a headless woman dressed in white robes who chases night wanderers and was accompanied by a black pig. Got your back. Oh <laughs> I appreciate you. The Dullahan sometimes appeared as impish creatures, sometimes headless men on horses who carried their heads, riding flame-eyed horses. Their appearance was an, an alive omen to anyone who encountered them. And here comes another really fun Gaelic word. Durlach, I'm going to need you to be on lock for this. A group of hunters known as the Sluach or fi a fairy host might also hunt sa haunt Samhain or kidnap people. Similar are the Sluach who came from the West to enter houses and steal souls. Um, but okay, so there are other festivals that close enough you'll take it. Okay, I love that. I love that. I do try. I mean, none of the languages I speak are anywhere close to Gaelic. So um, I speak mainly Latin based languages, guys. <laughs> You know, I mean, Spanish, Portuguese. Anyway, um, so as the middle English, Alabama English, Alabama English, she speaks good old home country English. You so want to talk about this on the porch? I can do that. So, the, so this was all like kind of ancient Samhain, right? So kind of um, pre Middle Ages, that kind of idea. So when we start entering the Middle Ages and as they progress, the fire festivals continued. Um, Bonfires known as, as I said, they were, um, they, they were a Gaelic word. It's very long. I don't know it. Um, they were, the smaller Samhain fires nearer to farms became tradition and they purport, they were said to protect families from fairies and witches. Mm. Um, carved turnips called jack-o'-lanterns began to appear and they were attached by strings to sticks or embedded with coals. Later, Irish tradition switched it to pumpkins. Hey, Cherry, what's up, friend? So when we're thinking about the jack-o'-lantern, I kind of want to bring this up, too, because it's also a little bit misconstrued, especially here in the United States. A lot of people think that the jack-o'-lantern's purpose was purely to protect you from evil. That didn't happen until later, right? Typically, they would use candles or the bricks or the coals to represent the sun and the vegetable to represent the harvest. So it was kind of like sympathetic magic in the way that they believed that they were utilizing the sun's power to make sure that the f harvest for next year was as fruitful as the one that they were celebrating, right? Later, it did become more of a symbol of protection and it would ward off spirits, right? Um, so in the, the middle, the face, I'm, I'm sorry. So when the carving of the faces took on, mm -hmm. it was, when did that become like a thing? Like, we're going to, we're going to talk about that later okay. in the, in the discussion. Cause there is a point where that started changing before they started okay. carving faces on it. It wasn't a face that they would carve on it so much. Um, it would be just a way to shine the light. 
Right. Another popular practice that kind of started during the Middle Ages when it comes to Samhain is the Dumb Supper. And this is still a celebration that happens with many people that practice like Celtic Reconstructionism or even a lot of Wiccans who celebrate Samhain will still incorporate the Dumb Supper into their celebrations. And basically the Dumb Supper um, was food, was a dinner. It was a dinner and you would set places for your ancestors that had passed on as a way of celebrating them. It was a dumb supper because clearly they would not be eating said food, right? So a lot of times people would place full courses outside for them. Um, and today, most practitioners will place a candle on a plate during the, the, the dinner, right? And that's the dumb supper. Um, children would play games to entertain the dead while adults would update the dead on the past year's news. That night, doors and windows might be left open for the dead to come in and eat cakes that had been left out for them. Okay, so now we're entering the pageant waves, cooking dinner, and oh, curing your ADHD. I love that, Cherry. Okay, so now we're, we've spoken about ancient Samhain, right? So we also then need to kind of understand where it comes and becomes an All Hallows' Eve. Warrior Squirrel, I know your name. Hi, friend. It's good to see you. Thank you for following me again. Um, so you need to kind of understand where the Christians came into play and how that kind of started changing the holiday, right? So um, as Christianity gained foothold in pagan communities because of the Romans and all that kind of stuff, church leaders attempted to reframe Samhain as a Christian celebration. Um, let's get into that history a little bit as well, okay? Uh, real quick though, before you get started, uh -huh. you were talking about the dumb dinner. Uh -huh. um, you know, there are restaurants today that will have the seat that's reserved for the fallen soldiers. Yeah, on Memorial that gives, Day. That kind of vibes, yeah. That's exactly a dumb dinner. Uh -huh. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. That is precisely a dumb, a dumb supper, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -uh. Jello squib, hello. I'm not sure um, if we do that because of our Celtic traditions, because many of us in the United States are from European immigrants, you know what I mean? So that oh, may have been a, pro about that. yeah, the practice may have come over with our European immigrants for sure. Uh -huh. um, so we're gonna start talking about Christianity's influence and conversion of Samhain into All Hallows' Eve. And then now we call it Halloween. Um, we have to think about the role Christians had on Druidic people, right? When the Romans and the Anglo-Saxons were taking over the world as they do, religion was being converted, right? Now, there were forced conversions, then that led to being kind of coy and trying to mirror the already existing celebrations and twisting them into a Christian light so that conversion was easier, right? So Pope Gregory I in about 590 understood the importance that pre-Christian customs to people's lives weren't lost, right? And they, the Catholic Church understand that they were not gonna get rid of them. So he sent um, a missionary to England instead of trying to do away with the religious customs of non-Christian people, they should simply convert them to a Christian religious purpose. For example, the site of that pagan, that pagan temple can easily become a church, right? That kind of idea. Um, so in that same thought, the Celts' dark supernatural festival eventually was converted and giving Christian context. 
the ancient Celts believed that all sorts of threatening spirits were out and about on Samhain. The early medieval Christian church believed in saints, Christians who were remarkable for their devout religious beliefs and lives. But saints also had a supernatural side, such as their involvement in miraculous occurrences, right? <clears throat> so the church mixed the traditions involving Celtic spirits and Catholic saints in the 800s, and the church designated November 1st as All Saints Day. Yes. It's important to understand that All Saints Day um, came after the, the practicing yes. of Samhain, right? Mm -hmm. The old beliefs associated with Samhain never died entirely. Um, this was stated by a folklorist by the name of Jack Santini Santino um, in a 1982 article in uh, an article of the American Folklore Center or Folk Life Center, I think is what it actually was. The powerful symbolism of the traveling dead was too strong and perhaps too basic to the human psyche to be satisfied with the new, more abstract Catholic feast honoring saints. So instead, the first night of Samhain, October 31st, became All Hallows Day evening. All Hallows Day evening. The night before the saints were venerated. The name eventually morphed into All Hallows Eve, and then it became known as All Halloween, and it became a time when Christians could turn the supernatural symbolism and rituals of Samhain into spooky fun. So this is where we start getting the idea of the jack-o'-lantern, trick-or-treating, um, and those types of concepts went from something that was protective and something that was honoring the harvest and something that was a promise of new harvest, something to celebrate the ancestors, to more of games and things like that. How are we doing so far, guys? There are still 44 of you amazing human being watching the live right now. Um, before, before I move on to the jack-o'-lantern trick-or-treating origins and things of more modern um, ideology, Durlock, did you want to add anything? Because you live in Scotland and you are a practicing Druid, and I believe that you have Samhain and the Celtic New Year coming up soon. So if there's anything you wanted to add to the Samhain conversation, that would be amazing. We're just going to give him a second to say yay or nay. It's purely voluntary. Oh, gosh, there's loads. <laughs> well, I mean, I will invite you. And if you decide you don't want to, please, by all means, don't feel as though that you are required to. Uh... Or would he like to be tacked on at the end? Hello, dear. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Doing good. Thanks okay, for just... joining us. We're, yeah, we're all, all excited about what you had to say. <laughs> so, gosh, where do I start? I mean, you've pretty much covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there's there's two big things that I kind of caught the end of just as I came into. So. Um, there's a really interesting part about the fire, which was the uh, the if you're in Scotland, it's Sawayad. Um, if that's it's the word, Ireland, yeah, if it's Ireland, that's the word it I was talking about. a little bit more. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's either Sawayad or Sawakad. Um, but okay. that fire would obviously be lit uh, at the start of the day, which for the Celts would have been round about when the sun set. And the important part about the fire is that the idea is every fire lit for the remainder of the year for or for the for the next year should be lit from that one fire so that's how important 
the idea of fire and light was for these kind of celebrations. So the fire just keeps burning the whole time? Ye Yep, so you would have, you would have, um, we don't know if it was druids who would specifically look after it or if they had a specific group of people who would be looking after that particular fire, but their role for the remainder of the new year, which was the whole year, because we believe Samhain might have been, you know, the, the, the Celtic New Year, um, but yeah, the, there would have been a group of people who would have been specifically selected to ensure that fire is, is nourished and is constantly lit and is burning healthily for the entire year. And yeah, every single fire within that community would be lit from that one bonfire. So all, all the fires that would be put into the um, the candles that would be put into the turnips um, or the pumpkins further down the line for people that are going to the old school trick-or-treating kind of stuff like the Geisen, um, that, that would be lit from that bonfire. Um, all the torches that would be lit as people are going from one place to another, that would be lit from that fire. Um, and if there were people who were had, had mediation that was going on, for example, then they would often gather around these fires and light torches together from that fire to symbolise either peace or if the if the fires didn't burn together, then that was a, that was a bad sign. P peace probably wasn't going to happen. That is such a beautiful notion. Like it is so uh, community and yep. intertwined. That is that that's beautiful. Yep. But I think it's, it comes back to, you know, there's, there's two big theories as to what this celebration really is. Um, one of it is the end of summer. And the, the big problem we have with that is within the colony calendar, which was the, the Celtic calendar, we know that the end of summer was some point in August. So that theory is a little bit flimsy. Um, the other theory is that it comes from a proto-Indo-European word, smon, which means reunion or assembly. And so it's the idea of putting your past aside, you know, dealing with any feuds at the beginning of the night or the beginning of the day for them, and then being able to come together as one group of people to keep themselves safe and to keep themselves strong as the colder months come in. So it was all about this. It was all about the community. It was all about unity. It was all about bringing people together. Right. And another theory that I heard, I don't know, several years ago, when it comes to Samhain specifically and the etymology of the word, of course, it's a Celtic deity that's become to known as uh, the one of death or um, something of that nature. But Samhain, the word, also can be translated to summer's end. And if we think about how the year was broken up before calendars were in use, you had the light part of the year where things grew and things flourished, animals you know, propagated, you probably would have had children. And then you have the dark part of the year where things start to die. So it could be argued that the summer went all the way up until when things stopped growing and then yep. it became something else. So Samhain being summer's end would still be, I guess, arguably correct because they didn't have I a calendar to say, this. right, the calendar to say, hey, this is the end of summer, not, we're in fall now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and, it, and it's it kind of, I suppose, the only part that really um, substantiates the theory that, because like I said, the, the, it's defined summer ends in August, but at the same time, we know today that there are plants and crops that still you, keep Regina. growing up until now. Um, yeah. So, so this this would be the last time harvest, for any yeah. farming. Yeah. yeah. So that, that 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 is the part that backs that up. It could be that this is the actual. You know, summer has already ended from the from the weather perspective, but right. um, from the agricultural perspective, that season is still, you know, still still due. Right. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you hopping in and sharing your, your side of things. And um, if no one's told you yet, I hope you have a very happy new year um, <laughs> <laughs> next week for sure. 
Um, and we're going to move on to um, the more modern ideas of trick-or-treating and jack-o'-lanterns now. So thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. More than welcome. Take care, everybody. Blessings. You as well. Thank you so much. He's just a peach. <laughs> so just much fun. Loving the outfit. Thank you. I got this at a um, a oddity shop in my hometown. It's from. Um, she sells a bunch of really co uh, creepy things, and I love it. Um, <clears throat> I got it for Halloween last year. Um, again, thank you so much, Dorlock. I appreciate that. And we're going to move on to the jack-o'-lantern trick-or-treating origins of the Halloween festival. So um, one, of, one of the rituals that was adopted from the Celts was pumpkin carving, which, as I had stated earlier, held some religious significance. Um, and it was, as I said, originally was done in hopes that good magic will help to preserve the harvested food through the dark half of the year and until the next growing season could replenish it and it would provide a good harvest then. Later in Ireland and Scotland, people developed the custom of using similarly, similarly carved vegetable lanterns to scare off mythical, this mythical character called Stingy Jack, who basically, to make a long story short, <laughs> wandered the earth because he wasn't allowed into hell oh, we, oh. <laughs> yeah yeah so he was stuck he on was earth he was yeah i guess i guess um the practice of trick-or-treating originates in the celtic custom of giving token bits of harvest to spirits wandering outside the houses on the evening of Samhain to placate them and prevent them from doing deconstructive things to the harvest or the homes once Christianity became established in the Celtic regions, young unmarried men would parade around on Halloween, going to houses and calling for gifts to the spirits. Um, this, was a yeah, this was a time when the hard work of the harvest was done so they could indulge in some pranks to let off some steam. In Scotland, groups of young men were called geysers. And uh, I believe Durlock mentioned that when he was describing um, his experience with Samhain because they wore disguises in the beginning of the custom of wearing, this began the custom of wearing Halloween costumes. Centuries later, Halloween cost, uh, customs were brought to the United States by immigrants from Ireland, Scotland, and other ancient homelands of the Celts. Um, as an 1894 article in Christian Work describes the holiday, Halloween is a night when witches, evil spirits, and all mischief-brewing sprites went forth on dark and mysterious Midnight Revels. Ooh. <laughs> so now we're going to be kind of more into the modern times in the United States and how we celebrate Halloween here and kind of why it started, right? So when you think about when America was being founded and colonized by our, you know, ancestors from Europe, um, they already had some of these customs and they were already converted to Christianity in many aspects. So a lot of these customs that they had as far as celebrating the harvest and all that still had a Christian twist. And when it came to the United States, they were still mirroring some of those customs. So the idea of a Halloween party started as more of a harvest party, right? Um, the mm -hmm. English Puritans who celebrated Samhain before traveling to their new country. Although the religious traditions had long been replaced by Christianity, many of the old practices remained. Um, this was influenced by a variety of cultures. 
the Halloween traditions in American colonies began to meld and change. In the New World, All Hallows' Eve became a time for play parties, which were private parties thrown to celebrate the harvest. Many dressed in costume and told scary stories. These first Halloween parties helped shape the history of Halloween into the celebration we have today. So, trick-or-treating, as people going door-to-door -door for candy, started in the mid-1800s when Irish immigrants came to the United States bringing their Halloween traditions with them. This included dressing up in costume, asking their neighbors for food and money, and pulling pranks in the evenings on Halloween. Americans started doing the same thing, which eventually turned into what we now know as trick-or-treating. However, it wasn't until recently that treats became more common than tricks. For example, in the 1920s, rowdy pranks had become expensive and costly, especially in major cities. Over time, cities and towns began organizing tame, family-oriented Halloween celebrations, which eventually helped reduce the number of reported pranks. Once candy companies began releasing special Halloween-themed candies, our modern idea of trick-or-treating was born. Halloween, as we know it today, is one of our oldest holidays. It wasn't always celebrated in the United States, but it has become an important and fun part of our culture. So we, can, we can't think of a better way to celebrate it than by sending Halloween gifts. And that's why that became a thing in the United States. And now it's one of, it. the most, one of the most um, consumerized holidays in the United States, right next to Christmas. You bet early pranks were pretty cool. I'm scared of them. <laughs> I am a good girl, Bon Bon. Um, Halloween pranks. I do not prank. <laughs> I mean, I have never once TP'd somebody's house or anything like that around Halloween. Boo baskets are a thing now. Oh, wow. What's a, what's a boo basket? I bet it's like a, a group of, um, like a gift basket, but for Halloween stuff. Hmm. And yes. you know, um, you know, the Christmas trees that, that are big now they do Halloween trees. Yes, they do. I, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> Before I moved from Kentucky down to Florida, I had a black Christmas tree, right? And I would decorate it and I would have it up from Halloween and then I would add like green <laughs> to it for Yule and, uh, you know, the winter solstice. Um, I don't celebrate the Sabbaths that are in the Wiccan wheel of the year so much. Like I, uh, a lot of them, especially here in the United States, have become um not what they were <laughs> um so i tend to honor things like the solstices and the equinoxes and whatnot but i don't i don't celebrate yule for example or ostara acid said that they are halloween themed easter basket i love that idea i love that idea a lot i do too a lot am i young enough to receive one yes you are who do i request that from you can request do it I from request me. that from my husband or my mother your, oh, your husband, because mm -hmm, he'll put spicy stuff in it for okay. you. Mm -hmm. He will not give me any candy. He will say that I don't need candy. So I should ask for my, I should ask my mother. I'm going to ask my mother. <laughs> <laughs> or rather, a fall-themed Easter basket, not necessarily spooky. Oh, okay. TikTok, 432 unjoined. Yes. Okay. So now let's open the floor, because um, I don't have really anything else listed to to really speak about does anybody have any questions or want to share what they do for halloween anything 
fun and or spooky. A spooky story. That would be awesome. No, nobody. Okay, ask. Maybe fair. you could just send her send us one. <laughs> Do I ask you? <laughs> Look, I'm just asking for chocolate. Just send me chocolate. That's really what this boils down to is just send the chocolate. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, I don't have anything else. Um, Erica, do you have anything else? Liz is going to send me chocolate. Liz is going <laughs> to. Liz, do you want to hop in and talk about your spooky things? Bon Bon, do you want to come in? Thank you, Liz. Thanks, Liz. Does Alejandro want to hop in and talk about his spooky stuff and talk about pumpkin spice things? His favorite. Mm. His most favorite. <laughs> okay. Well, if that's a no, that's totally fine. I will go ahead. I would, but I sound like Sheila from Sheila from Cosmetics. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, uh, Bon Bon, if you want to hop oh, in the box, yes. just send uh, just send a request. When am I celebrating? I'm going to be celebrating um, on the seventh of November um, instead of October thirty first. Um, I will do typical American things. I will do typical American things and uh, do like horror movies and scary things on Halloween. And then on the 7th, we will have a fire and I will do the ancestor thing. Acid, to answer your question, stay tuned because the episode after this one is going to discuss Appalachia and apples. And we're gonna we're gonna cover apple pie, and apple pie spice. So stay but fun fact, there isn't that much of a difference between the two. <laughs> I believe it. Hi, Bon. Hello, hello. How are so, you? Most of you guys know that I was raised Catholic, yes. and so our church would put together um, a Halloween party in like the basement of the church um, and um, through the back hallway, they would create a haunted house and different members of the church would dress up and there would be food and there would be dancing. You know, they'd have some sort of music and there'd be games for the kids um, so that there was an alternative to um, trick-or-treating um, that was in a more safe environment because um, this was right around where everybody was scared of, you know, sharp objects and food items that would be handed out and things like that. Or so the short sticks. Yeah. Check out our last episode. I remember those Halloween parties and they were great. And because I myself, I don't enjoy trick or treating as a kid or as an adult. Um, so those were, a, that was a fun way to celebrate the holiday um, that went with my personality but i just remember our, a lot of the church um people would be there with their kids and it, it was just it was great um now a lot of 
churches will put on their versions of Halloween's, you know, trunk or treating or trick or treating or what have you. And for a lot of people, they are a way for them to be able to enjoy the holiday, religious or not, you know, right. without additional, you know, stipulations to it. It gives people a way to be able to enjoy safely this you know practice and i think that's a beautiful thing you know we don't it doesn't have to be looked at as good or bad or whatever it it's just a fun thing for kids to do to to just celebrate a festival a holiday or what right. have you and i think Absolutely. that's beautiful i think it's beautiful that you had that option <clears throat> me too and i wish i had more of those options for my kids we've done the trick-or-treating and stuff like that and it's just unless um uh, our town is doing um their halloween parade and then they do have the trunk-or-treating um but then of course there's the regular trick-or-treating and it's just you know as a as a parent i just worry not so much about things in the candy it's just the amount of people that are out and about and the various things that could happen and it's just like you know i i, I would love to go back to the day of just a halloween party somewhere you know and right. it'd be more than just at somebody's house it'd be a larger thing right. um for the social aspect both parent to parent kid to kid you know just community but not too big because I don't like people that much either. <laughs> As a so, kid, I actually, oh, I'm sorry. As I didn't actually ever really go trick or treating where I lived in my, my neighborhood. Right. I never went trick or treating it. Um, it just was not a safe option to do. Um, so when I would go trick or treating, it would have to be with friends in their neighborhoods, which was not the same city as me. Or like as an adult now, um, my sister-in-law's neighborhood is a fantastic trick-or-treating neighborhood. Oh, they thank got you for kids the black hats. everywhere. It's a good time. Thank you, Tyler. So when I was a kid. And so, and so, so I give that to my kids, but. Yeah. And when I was a kid, I mean, we did the, the traditional trick-or-treating and going to the haunted attractions. I love going to the scary haunted attractions that people like jump scare you and stuff. I love that shit. I'm a wolf. I, I love it. I love it. Um, and I always pay the extra for them to be able to like snatch me up and stuff because, you know, I'm six foot tall and I weigh 270 pounds and they pick the big ones to come and snatch me up. You know what I mean? And I love it. But so now what I typically do for the season is like I was explaining a little bit ago, I don't typically do like the spiritual stuff on the 31st of October. Um, just because, I mean, like I've been saying, the calendar is a newer idea. It's only about 500 years old. So I tend to do it when the stars and the position we are away from the sun would be the midway point between the fall equinox and the winter solstice, when the veil is truly the thinnest, right? And so I typically do like the ancestor work and the remembrances and all that kind of stuff on or near the 7th of November. So this next weekend coming up for Halloween, I'm going to pass out candy to the wee ones that are going to walk around the neighborhood, uh, probably wearing this, you know, um, I may do some tarot card readings for folks, um, but I don't oh, really, fun. yeah, and then I, you know, get a bottle or, or six of wine and watch really silly horror movies. That's what I do. Your dream Make is to have a spooky escape room. Punch. Oh, yes. 
Um, hey, Rob, I wanted to go back to the um, horror that attractions. Would, that would be awesome, Durlock. Yeah. What? Um, what about them? I have never been in one. I am terrified of them. I will go to a real haunted house, but not the fake ones. I am absolutely terrified um, that my biggest fear is that for some reason I will not be among the living by the time the end of it is. <laughs> and I know that is totally totally irrational. I have never been in oh. one of those attractions. I am terrified. Some so. of them are so good. And I'm an avid horror movie fan. So like I love horror films. And well, me too. Some of the construction of these haunted houses are so good. They are so realistic. And it's amazing. And I have a lot of friends that are horror actors. So Th this entire season, they're doing their thing on the weekends. And in the month of October, it's almost every night. And I've gotten to see behind the scenes and how they're all built. And, like, some of these are just astronomical. They're great. And no. I like the adrenaline of my heart pounding in my chest. You know, when that chainsaw, woo, 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 I love it. I will I will flee like a gazelle, but I, I still... <laughs> Okay. I love it. I don't know. No, thank you. I'm with Bonnie. Bonnie and I, I are going to hang my, out. I will take my fake nails. I will take my fake flavoring. I will take my fake cheese all over pasta. I want a real haunt, not a fake one. <laughs> I cannot handle jump scares. I cannot oh, I do it. That, my heart Justin. will just fall on my butt. <clears throat> but I love Durlock's idea of having an escape room, like horror edition. I don't know if that, um, the escape that when you, you escape it, it goes to a bar. Love it. I, that that Durlock. As soon as you get that started, I'm flying to Scotland. Let's do this, okay? Let's do it. Mm -hmm. I think that would be amazing. That's just my entire vibe. I would do it just to go to the bar. <laughs> we Let's have an escape real. room here in my little bitty town, but I don't know if they did Halloween theme. I missed the last theme. Um, I didn't get to go. Um, so I don't know if they actually did a, a Halloween-themed one. Aww. There is a ghost tour company here, um, and the guy that runs it, his name is Wolfgang, but he also, I think, owns a old house, and he offers, I, I don't know if it's a one-time thing or if he does it repeatedly, but he does seances in his old house. Like, you can join the seance. You can buy tickets for it. I've yet to do it, but he's a real nice guy. That's and puts amazing. on a really good tour. That is that is really cool. All right. So I am going to go ahead and end the live here um, because it is time for me to eat dinner. And um, I'm, uh, hungry. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Very hungry. Um, but, yeah, thank you all so much for hanging out with us. And thank you, Erica. And thank you, Bon Thanks, Bon. Guys. And Durlock, again, thank you so much for hanging out and giving us your um, your side of the holidays. Um, we will be editing this and getting it posted next weekend. Um, it'll probably, it'll be available Saturday night. Um, and yeah, and then stick around. I'll be back at 10 PM Eastern standard time. I know that's super late for you, Durlock. Um, but we are going to be reading, um, another spooky story tonight. And again, SoCal, thank you so much for the follow earlier. She was speaking, so I didn't want to interrupt her, but I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, so I'll see you guys at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our normal um, vibes and whatnot. And don't forget to hit the link in my bio. Check us out, Pumpkin Spice and Nothing Nice. Pretty much anywhere you stream podcasts, you can find us. And we're also on YouTube. It's linked in my bio. And you guys have an amazing afternoon. And good night to you, Durlock, as I know it's about Thank 10 p.m. You. your time. So.
Thank you all so much. Have a good night. Love you, Love you too, Erica. Thanks for joining us. We love y'all, sweet pumpkins. Stay safe and remember to fix your mouth. Make sure to like, share, follow, and subscribe to get updates and our latest episodes.